Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today on the show, we have Ed Rigsby with Cigar Peg. Welcome, Ed. Thank you, Lee. Happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn about your group. Tell us a little bit about Cigar Peg. How are you serving folks? Cigar Peg is a IRS 501c3 uh, nonprofit charity, as opposed to many associations and societies which are 501c6. Um, we are uh, loosely connected with the National Speakers Association. All of the members of my organization, not all, but most of the members of my organization are professional speakers or uh, subject matter experts that use speaking or, you know, some kind of languaging to share their message. And uh, we put on a very large fundraiser every year at the National Speakers Association meeting. And then we uh, do some private events, Cigar Peg members only uh, through the rest of the year. We have members, we have benefactor members, and we have high roller members. So the uh, the people that are high roller members, they've spent, um, you know, over $10,000 at our auctions. Uh, benefactor members pay uh, a bit more to be a member, and then there are members. So that's pretty much the quick uh, thumbnail of who we are, what we do. So what was the genesis of the idea? What got the organization off the ground? It actually was originally kind of a joke. Um, back in the uh, 1990s, uh, uh, a lot of people used to uh, jokingly refer to the National Speakers Association is the as the Southern Baptist Speakers Association, meaning there was maybe just a little bit too many extreme religious right people running the organization. And there didn't seem to be uh, quite as much room for just mainstream people that weren't, you know, quite as not necessarily left, but not necessarily that far right. And just kind of people in the middle. Um, so I started a party. Uh, the the association used to have activities every night. Uh, one year, I think it was 1998, they stopped having uh, an activity one of the nights, chatting with some friends. And, hey, if we would have known about this, we would have organized something. So the next year, I, uh, with a friend, uh, Grant Doyle out of Canada, uh, organized something. And um, it was um, it was kind of the start of a cigar party. And, um, you know, we gave all of the money that we made to the Speakers Association Foundation, and then uh, the second year, a good friend of mine, Patricia Fripp, suggested to me, she said, Ed, why don't, if you really want to make some, some real money uh, to donate to the foundation, uh, why don't you auction off me for uh, consulting? And it, it kind of took us down the road of uh, putting on a big party, having an auction. Um, we give probably about half our money to the speakers uh uh, association foundation and the other half to other um, uh, medically related uh, events that, that that people care about. We've given out uh, in our history um, a little over eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But the, it was it was kind of just 
a group of people that had common interests getting together, but at some point you said, you know what, why don't we formalize this and make this, you know, uh, well, you know yeah, it, 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 when you say a group of people getting together, it, it started growing as a community, you know, again, a community within a larger community. And because of the way things were going, you know, uh, uh, doing auctions and giving money, my, and I just was running it through my corporation and my accountant, uh, told me, says, yeah, you, you need to not do it this way. This, you need to go, you need to go to IRS and, and, and get a, you know, get a, a nonprofit status. So I was, you know, with a buddy of mine from high school, um, still friends all these years later, and we we're buying some suits downtown LA and sitting in my favorite little greasy Mexican restaurant. Um, and I was telling him about my problem. He goes, oh man, I've done a bunch of these nonprofits. Uh, give me a box of cigars. I'll, I'll put it together for you. <laughs> and I said, okay. And so as of um, February, 2006, we uh, received the determination from the IRS as a uh, nonprofit public charity. So then that allowed me to, you know, go to the bank and open up a checkings account and, you know, just do a lot of things. And, and we became a, a, a legitimate nonprofit. And um, the, uh, the nonprofit pays me a very small stipend to run it. And um, the, uh, that allows me to be an ASAE, American Society of Association Executives, CEO member, uh, which also allowed me to go after my CAE, Certified Associate, Certified Association Executive Credential. So it's, 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 and it's just been a, a fun thing that's just kind of morphed over the years to now we have a, a, a very, very strong community because when the pandemic hit, um, I just decided we're going to start doing every Wednesday Zoom. And now the people are, I, you know, they're hooked on it because it, it just, it helps them stay connected to the, to the community. And um, so we just keep doing things to create value. We, we also just another kind of feather I got one day, I thought, you know, we should start the virtual speakers hall of fame. So the cigar peg bought the website, virtual speakers hall of fame. We started doing showcases and everybody that showcased was a nominee. And last year was our, 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 our first vote. And all of the, um, the showcases were live. So we uh, invited other association executives to watch the showcase. At the end of the year, we bought software, uh, a voting software, and uh, based on email. And so we put it out, all the association execs that watched the various showcases, they got to vote. So we had our, our, our first voted in class Virtual Speakers Hall of Fame, five people in 2021. Uh, the website's conveniently uh, virtual speakers hall of fame.org. A little long, but easy to remember. And uh, that's launched us down a whole other direction of creating value for our members. You don't have to be a member to participate, it's just a little less expensive if you're a member. So we're, we're we're having fun serving our members, doing fun things, making a difference in the marketplace in various ways, and just, you know, kind of, um, I, I hate to say dumb, fat, and happy. So. <laughs> but in your career, you've been involved in organizations that uh, now, obviously, in all 
in all facets, right? Now, this is starting an organization from scratch. You, I'm sure, have been members of organizations and associations. Is there any advice you can share for folks that are starting an association or, or an organization from scratch that you can uh, maybe can help smooth out their learning curve a little? Um. Yeah, let me just ask you before I go into it to maybe go a little bit deeper. Are we talking about starting a, a nonprofit? Are we talking about starting a trade association? Are we talking about starting a community? Kind of give me a what what your well, we're question. I mean, the show is uh, geared towards association leaders. So let's talk okay. about associations. Okay. I uh, authored a book um, that came out in 2014. Uh, the book is titled The ROI of Membership, Today's Missing Link for Explosive Growth. And in that book, one of the things that I, um, let me back up, Lee. I, back around, uh, I think it was the year 2000, I just dumb stumbled into something. So I was doing a keynote presentation for the California Alarm Association up in San Francisco. And Jerry Lenander, their executive director, you know, kind of squeezing me, going, "Hey, Ed, you know, can you um, can you can, can you throw in a uh, an industry roundtable?" Yeah, sure. You know, Jerry, happy to do it. So when I do those types of things, um, I'll just ask the people in the group in the room, you know, what's on your mind, and put the things down on a piece of paper. What's on the mind? We vote, and whatever comes on the top, that's what we talk about. So it was interesting. There was a bunch of uh, board members in the room, and they really wanted to talk more about the value of membership in their organization. And I just, just started asking all kinds of questions and this and that and the other. And after the hour plus session, I'm looking at my, you know, at the, at the flip chart pages all around the room. And I thought, holy cow, I think I created something here. And um, took them all home with me. Uh, when I got back, I, I called uh, Jerry, the executive director, and said, Jerry, hey, you know, what we did is we worked on um, the value of membership. And actually, we did it in what are the actual real dollar numbers. And um, we did some really great work in that session. Would you like me to write an article for your magazine about it? He goes, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So, Lee, I just, without knowing what qualitative research was, stumbled into qualitative research and developed a methodology, um, focus group methodology for determining in actual real dollar numbers what each feature of membership is worth. And so, and, and you know, again, we, we have to remember there's, there's, there's a lot of things that associations do that are not features of membership, as an example of advocacy and legislative work. However, if they do, uh, if they produce a, um, a legislative update and only give it to their members, then that legislative update is a feature of membership, which is, by the way, rated very, very high. So the advice I would give is, is what is in the book. If you want to grow your organization, if you want to start an organization, you've got to look at, you know, what are the benefits of membership. And if, if you know, Lee, if, if we were to go to a dozen association websites and it would say benefits of membership, it and we look at it, it really isn't benefits of membership. It's features. And there's a big difference, and I think most association people don't really get it, that there's a difference between a feature and a benefit. A feature is something that's 
built into the product or service. The benefit is how it makes that person's life better. So what associations need to do is focus on talking to members or potential members about here's what's in it for you. Here are the member-only features, the things that you don't get unless you're a member. And let me explain how it makes your life better. And these um, these benefits or, or the, the features which create a benefit, you know, they go through the windows of profit or gain, fear of loss, avoidance of pain, um, pride and prestige, so on. And, and so I, it's... If you want to grow an organization, you, you've got to look at how are we creating value. The the old the old thing that I'm a baby boomer, um, and I'm looking at your picture, Lee, and I'm not sure if you're a baby boomer, but you're getting maybe close. Um, the the old thing was you know join because you should. That kind of disappeared with uh, flare slacks and bell bottom jeans. Um, People, younger people, they don't join because they should. They join because um, I, I need to to better myself somehow. And um, a lot of associations have a big problem with, you know, when they're trying to talk about why people should join, usually on the board are more senior members, people that have been in the organization for a long time, and they forgot why they joined. They're at a place in their life where they're moving from being simply successful to wanting to be significant, which is wonderful. And the association helps them to do that. But they forget that the people that join when they're younger, they want to grow their business. They want to grow their career. They want to grow their finances. So hence, any organization has to be able to prove to potential members it's a good business decision. It's a good career decision. It's a good financial decision. That's the big disconnect that most people trying to create an organization do now, not. How do you, how do you, as an association leader, and I, say I'm I'm buying everything you're saying that I I feel it's imperative to uh, demonstrate ROI in real green dollar way. Sure. How do I quantify the value of the? things that I'm saying are the reasons you should join to network, to be mentored, to, um, you know, demonstrate leadership. How, how do I translate that into dollars so that a, a, a prospective member can say, you know what? Membership costs X. I'm getting five X by joining. Mm-hmm. You know, Lee, that is the $64,000 question. And here's the good news. I have the answer for you. So, the qualitative research focus group sessions that I do, what we what I do is I get a, a cross section of members, younger members, older members, male, female, you know, uh, uh, as a diverse a group, you know, based on the population of the association as possible. And we get them in a room, you know, try to get, you know, 30-ish people. And we, I go through each feature of membership, and 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 I make sure, and, and sometimes that I'll, I'll I'll have a little bit of um, challenge from the association staff, and it's like, no, if it's not a member only benefit, we're not putting it up on the board. 
So because what we're doing is we're saying, okay, you pay, let's just take a number, $500 a year to be a member. Okay, we want to see how much they get for that $500. And so you go through each feature and the idea and why why um, quantitative research doesn't work so well is all the people that you're, um, you're researching, they don't have the same context. So they can't answer the question. When you do it qualitatively in a focus group methodology, you've got a facilitator in the room saying, okay, now this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to look at this. Here are several ways that you can determine how it's valuable to you. You do it this way, you do it this way, you do it this way, you do it this way. And then the people in the room can go, oh, I got it. Now, today with having Zoom, I mean, it can be done on Zoom. And if you use like Metameter software where people can vote, I mean, you, you can you can do it almost as good. Um, but it's the idea to let your members tell you. Now, I'll go to an, a number of ROI um, calculators on association websites. And generally, when I call the association, talk to them, uh, it's the staff that determined that's wrong because because mem- members and potential members don't believe what the staff say. And, you know, they believe what they say and they believe what their colleagues say. So what we have to do is say, OK, our members have said on average the value they get from this feature of membership. And I'll just give you an example. Um, uh, across the board, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing these sessions for you know over a decade. And what I mentioned earlier, a legislative update. Legislative update generally is valued by members, and, and there's a wide range, but generally from about $2,000 a year to $5,000 a year. Um, and the way they find that is, 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 is time-saving because, yeah, they could um, they could hire a, a, a clerical person to go all do that work, but then that clerical person doesn't maybe have the ability to create the summary and make it easy for the person to use. Um, access to headquarters staff. Okay, when people call an association uh, and want answers to something in the industry, if the association people answer them, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot on value. What they need to say is, well, you know, that kind of information is proprietary to our members. We'd love to have you join our organization. You know, can I connect you with our membership people? So, you know, it's, it's and this whole, you know, content marketing thing. Associations, so many of them are deluded into believing. We just keep putting it out there, putting it out there, and putting it out there, and people are joining. No, they will not. Put out the headlines, but make the content member-only specific. There's, you know, there's a ton of things that uh, that we can go through. And, and, you know, Lee, when I over the years of doing these valuations, usually most associations in society have somewhere around, you know, 25-ish features of membership, which are member only. And those 25 can be measured. And, you know, it, it, it depends, but I, I see that the ROI, as far as the, 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 the multiplier, from about 10 to 50 times. So, you know, that I, that's the common range. So you, 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 pay, you spend five hundred dollars for membership, 
Okay, so 10 would be um, $5,000 to, you know, 25. And, and, and I, I think that it's, it's, it's really much easier than people realize. But the challenge in doing, in doing these sessions, um, a friend of mine who's an association executive, um, and I've worked with him in different associations that I've done work with, and he called me up and says, you know, and I, re- I really want to do this facilitation myself. And his name's Matt. I said, you know, Matt, I don't recommend it, but we're buddies, so I'll, I'll teach you how to do it. He said, okay. After he did the facilitation, you know, I called him and said, well, Matt, how did it go? And he goes, well, you were right. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I found myself, okay, so I'm trying to, to be their friend as, as, as an employee of the association. And I found it very, very hard to push them to think a little bit harder than they normally would. And, and I said, exactly, bingo. That's why you want an outsider. Because that way, when the outsider comes in and the outsider pushes them a little bit, they can make all kinds of negative comments about the outsider, but the outsider disappears. But then the positive is the outsider pushed us and look what we have. So it's it's not hard. It's easy to understand, but it's actually hard to implement. But the and the key is to get the data from the actual members, not from kind of the board members in a in a conference room. Absolutely, estimating. You want to get the real data from the real people that are using it, Absolutely. not what you think the value is based on you know kind of the ivory tower folks telling. Yeah, yeah. Board members will will tend to to measure uh, a little bit higher because they're a little bit more engaged. But but see the thing is. And I, I, I teach associations, I've been doing this for years, how to, to build a member recruitment brochure based on ROI. And whether you, you know, do it paper or digital, I like paper because, you know, you can put it in your pocket and, and you can sit down and, and talk to somebody like at a Starbucks. And then, you know, you've got all the, this list of all these features of membership. And then the person goes, well, I'm not going to use this one. Go, oh, great. Let me take a magic marker. Draw a line through that. I'm not going to use that one. Okay. Draw a line through that. Uh, this third one, I'm not going to use. Okay. Okay. So so everything else you think you're going to use, this is to the prospective member. And they would go, yeah, these three I'm not going to use. Okay. We line those out. Let's re-add. Okay. Instead of giving getting uh, $22 back for every dollar you invest in membership, you're going to get $17 back for every dollar you invest in membership. It still sounds like it's a pretty good business decision, don't you think? Right, and they're and, co-authoring it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but the thing is, I've got to be able to say, Lee, that that you know, if 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 I'm a um, a member of an association and I'm using this, or if I'm a, a staff person and I'm using this, I've got to be able to say, our members have told us through research, on average, you, know, you got to be honest, you know. And on average, this is the number. And, you know, sometimes when I do these facilitations, I mean, I'll have some member go, no, that's worth $50,000. And I go, yeah, you know, the number has to pass what I call the smell test. And, you know, maybe you're right, but nobody's going to believe it. So we got we got to dial back a little bit. But I, I find that it's very common uh, for trade associations and professional societies to deliver 
um, $20 back for every dollar invested, $40 back for every dollar invested. I, I see that frequently. And, and it's just understanding. And then the interesting thing, here's another thing, like that if it's a trade association and the company is a member, well, then wait, wait a minute, we got to change the, the calculation because now it's, well, what's an average company and how many member, how many employees of that company might participate in the organization? Well, let's, you know, and they say, well, you know, on average, you know, an average company be X and they probably have five people from that company participate. Okay. So now all of these things that we, we lay out that are features of membership, you got to multiply it times five because, because you've got five people in your organization. So that's the value to the organization. So on, on a professional society where it's generally, it's only the member, you do it to the individual person. But if it's a trade association and the company's the member, then you multiply it out and it's even a larger number, quite frankly. So now getting back to Cigar Peg, what has been yeah. the most rewarding part of starting this organization and seeing it kind of grow over the years? Sure. Interesting question. Um, you know, Lee, I, I think the most rewarding part is that at, at the end of every year, when I get to write the checks out to charities, I, I, <laughs> I really like that. Um, it, 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 it's a very cool thing. The other that's, that's so very rewarding is, you know, when, when, uh, I'll put on an event at the National Speakers Association, or I put on other events. We do one usually every year in Key West, and we do one usually every year in Las Vegas. And, you know, just seeing all these people that come to this event, something that I've created, and, and they see the value of the community and getting together. Um, and in the events, I, I don't charge much for them. I, I, I think associations right now, and I'm going to probably get in trouble for saying this, I think associations are leaning too much on non-dues revenue and charging too much for their conferences and trying to make too much off their conferences in non-dues revenue. And there's a lot in the marketplace of members pushing back against these egregious high prices to come to a conference and organizations are giving less and less at conferences. I think there's going to be a day of reckoning on that. Um, I run Lee, a uh, every Tuesday. I run an association CEO forum on Zoom, and they pay to be part of this forum. And we were talking about that just a few weeks ago, and a number of them were saying, "Yeah, you know, we we think that there there's going to be a day of reckoning if the prices keep getting too high." So um, it's uh, I, that's why I keep the prices very low. I and I just really enjoy being with my colleagues seeing that they're, uh, they're getting value from the events and, um, you know, at the end of the year, getting to write out, getting to write those checks, just really, really fun to do. And it sounds like at the heart of, of your work is just having real communication and conversations with your members in order to provide this, the services and value that they want, and then just delivering it to them in an elegant way that they enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, Lee, I, I think so many trade associations and professional societies don't quite understand the value they create 
by providing community. And I, I think also they don't understand, you know, how to run the, 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 the chapters and how to create virtual satellite communities. And, and, you know, we all want to learn from our colleagues, you know, you know, whether I'm a dentist or whether I'm a roofer, I mean, it doesn't matter. And, and, and picking up the ideas and, you know, as I said earlier, there, there's, there's several buying reasons to make the decision to join or you can call them buying reasons, decision to join reasons, whatever you want. And, um, and, and community is one of them. And so it's, I, I think that that's an area that there's a lot of room for a lot of organizations to, to really expand what they're doing and, and do it in a way that creates more value. But here's a challenge. And, and I see this all the time. A lot of organizations, um, whether it's trade associations or professional societies, want to put on events where like their vendors sponsor it. Well, now, now it's a conflict of interest because the vendors are paying for it. So the vendors want a million people there or lots of people there. But if you let non-members come, then the value of membership is diminished. And so they're cross purposes. And so a lot of associations or societies have to figure out, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. who are we serving here? Are we serving the vendors? And because they want as many people as possible at an event, or are we, are we serving the members and making it member only? So that's another feature of membership. It's another value of membership. I mean, ASAE does a really great thing. They do a lot of various free um, webinars, this, that, and the other. However, I have to go through their, uh, their shopping cart to register for the, the, the free event. And it shows that that event should be, let's just take a number, $50. But because I'm a member, I'm getting it for free. So the subliminal that ASA is doing to me right there is saying, hey, yeah, we just gave you $50 as part of the value of your membership. You just saved $50. And, and I think that not enough organizations do that. And I think that they should, um, should, should uh, you know, take a, a note out of ASA's playbook and, and whatever we're doing, you know, think about this for just a minute. Lee, is when, when an organization puts on a conference, is the conference a feature of membership or is the discount on registration that members get that's a feature of membership? Now, if you're the cigar industry and you don't let outsiders into your closed conference, well, then the conference is a feature of membership. But, but I would say the majority of trade association professional society meetings, non-members can come. They just have to pay more. So, you know, we got to be, be careful. Remember, the conference is not the feature of membership. The discount is. And, and we've got to make sure that we let people know. Hey, because you remember, you just saved 200, 300, 500, whatever the discount is. Yeah, that's a great reference uh, um, for the a great reminder for associations to remind people of the value that they're providing. And, and it, it can be done in an elegant way that you just mentioned. Force mm -hmm. them to sign up for the free event mm -hmm. and let them know that you just signed up for free. And this, you know, for regular people, that would be 100 bucks. 
So mm-hmm. in essence, yeah. you just saved a hundred bucks. So they can do that in their, their mental math as they're calculating. Should I, you know, yeah. re up for next year? Well, mm-hmm. I've saved look over the course of the year, thousands of dollars. It's a no brainer to re up. Yeah. You know, Lee, I, I think, um, you know, I, in my earlier life in the speaking world, I, I wrote three books on strategic alliance development. And I used to do a lot of keynotes and, 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 and workshops on strategic alliance development. And in one of the books, I, I, I really talked about my idea of relationship bank deposits and relationship bank withdrawals. And the idea is, you know, think about it. You can't go to a bank and ask for money if you don't have money there or if you don't have a relationship or if you haven't, you know, filled out a credit app. And so the thing that a lot of associations forget about through the year, you know, you've got to keep making relationship bank deposits with your members throughout the year. Then at the end of the year, when you ask them to renew, which is a relationship bank withdrawal, now they're ready to say, sure. You know, same problem associations have when they uh, onboard new members. I like to use the Star Trek term assimilation. Um, and and instead of sending them the packet of stuff, drip it out. Send, them, send, send the member something every month. Because if you send them at the beginning, when they, when they become a member, a packet of stuff, well, that's one relationship bank deposit. But if you drip stuff out through the year, that's maybe 12 relationship bank deposits. And and I know that it, it's a, a very simplistic idea, but we do mentally keep track. We keep, I, I hate to say keep score, but we kind of do. And, and I think that that's another area where a lot of uh, membership organizations, um, th- th- they're not making frequent relationship bank deposits. Right. They're doing that one at the beginning, thinking, checking the box like, oh, we've given, we've told them everything and now it's on them to kind of go through that thing where it gets filed away. They never open it again. But if they would remind them, you know, once a month over the year and seeing all this new stuff that they're now can get or remind them they're going to get this, it just, it just makes the person feel good year round rather than once. Absolutely. I mean, and like, I mean, with, with my cigar pig charity, I, every Wednesday there's a zoom call and that's a relationship bank deposit every week. Now, not everybody comes on the call every week, but everybody gets an email reminding them and, um, and, and whether they do or not. And then we do a whole bunch of other things too, where we're making relationship bank deposits, but, but, you know, I think there's a, a, a challenge just because you send the newsletter is it a relationship bank deposit or is it more noise? It, you know, and, and you got to ask yourself, are you making your, if, if you are sending a weekly newsletter, which is great, are you making it really, really easy for them to access, digest, and, 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 and use the information? And the other question is, are you only sending it to members or or which would then make it a feature of membership, or are you sending out all around the industry thinking under delusion that it's going to bring members in? 
So I, I think that these are some things that, you know, that, that, that are really worth having a discussion. And, and I realize there's a lot of gray here and, and, and I don't want to, you know, disc anybody for doing things a certain way. But I, I will say, I, I think it's worth having a discussion looking at everything we do as an organization. Is it a feature of membership or is it just something we're doing for the industry? Is it a relationship bank deposit or is it not? And, you know, is this going to help us at the end of the year when the member tries to decide whether they're going to renew or not? Because every year that member has a new buying decision. Unless, of course, you know, um, now I just got an email this morning from the National Speakers Association that says, general reminder, your membership is expires at the end of April. And then it goes, and you are on auto renew. It's like, awesome, good. Send a note back. Thank you. Happy to be on auto renew. I, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to make a decision. I could make a decision not to. But I, I think that um, that associations that aren't getting their members on auto renewal, I, I think they could they could do well if they did. And I think that associations need to make sure that that when it's time for renewal, that they've made enough relationship bank deposits that when they want that withdrawal, the member says, sure, happy to do it. Well, Ed, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Um, for people who want to know more about Cigar Peg or maybe your consultancy, uh, can you share the website for both of those? Yeah, sure. Um, if, if you want to know about the charity, if you want to go and donate to it, it's cigarpeg.com, C-I-G-A-R, just like the thing you'd smoke, cigarpeg, P-E-G, dot com. That's the charity. And you can, you know, look at all the cool things we do. If you want to know more about me, it's um, my website is Rigsby, like Riggs and a bumblebee, R-I-G-S-B-E-E. Everybody wants to put a Y, but that's wrong. Two E's. Rigsby.com, just simple, rigsby.com. I got I got that URL very early when they're putting <laughs> URLs out. There's a lot of Rigsby's out there that tried to get yeah. that, but I got it. Anyway, um, you can, I mean, I've got an um, article bank at my website, and I've got them in different categories, whether it be articles on partnering, articles on, on member recruitment, articles on membership growth, articles on personal accountability, so on. So, and, and there's a good couple hundred there. And at that article bank, uh, when somebody uh, goes to the article, there's also written permission for reprinting. So any association exec that likes some of the stuff I talk about and wants to go snag some of my articles and use them, hey, help yourself. There's even permission for reasonable edit. I'm not completely sure what reasonable edit <laughs> means, but the editors can figure that out for themselves. So uh, lots of stuff there. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate that. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio. 